episode 29. Does clinical yoga belong in a healthcare paradigm plus women's health issues? I'm your host, Dr. Justin Trosclair, and today we hear Dr. Lisa Holland perspective. For doctors who want a thriving practice and abundant home life, listen as your host, Dr. Justin Trosclair, goes behind the curtain and interviews doctors and guests about real-world triumph, struggles, practical tips, and entertainment on this episode of A Doctor's Perspective. Once again, we are continuing with Women's Spotlight. Today, we have a doctor of physical therapy on. She was one of the first to have a cash practice in North Carolina. She seriously integrates yoga as a core part of her allopathic-based PT clinic. She deals with women's health specialties like pelvic floor rehab, again, yoga strengthening. And today, we're going to discuss things like, is she just a glorified yoga teacher? How do you deal with that? Uh, she does mentoring. We discuss women's role in the workplace, motherhood, micro practice, and a few other pretty cool topics that I think you're going to enjoy. All the show notes can be found at doctorsperspective.net slash 29. Let's go hashtag behind the curtain. All right, podcast today, we're going to continue our women's spotlight with the cash-based physical therapist, Dr. Lisa Holland, aka the guru goddess, hashtag the curvy hustler. <laughs> Welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Justin. Yeah, it's kind of funny that that's that sort of evolved. I actually started my business and my business name is Belly Guru LLC. And for the first uh, probably eight years or so, I've been in business a little over 11 years, almost 12 years. That was my 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 pseudo you know alter ego the belly guru and about three years ago I realized that I was always speaking with women but it had expanded to more of a movement and an attitude and definitely getting the leaders themselves into that curvy hustle and and I've always been involved in the yoga as part of the main yoga therapy being the center or at least the philosophy that I've mixed in with my allopathic background in rehab medicine. And so they work a lot with the goddesses and Shakti and, and feminine empowerment. So I sort of went off with that. So yes, guru goddess. And now I'm in Charlotte, North Carolina based out of it, but I've moved actually virtually and working a lot with mompreneurs, health leader mompreneurs in particular, obviously a lot of physical therapists because they're in my tribe already. That's who I, I speak to, but also I'm very involved in the international association of yoga therapists, just with a couple of other people started a special interest group of licensed healthcare providers who are aligned with that to help that grow as that's starting with some more defined standards in yoga therapy versus yoga teaching. And um, so it's really exciting to now be speaking to people like you in China and, and other other health leaders. And, and that was my hope in doing so, so that, you know, I still carry a, a small clinical caseload, but it, I definitely see my next step in being that of of the mentor role, which I think all of us sort of get to that point of being, you know, the, the guru guide for our patients. And then, you know, at some point you realize, gosh, you, you can give that next generation of health leaders so much background, especially if, if you own a business or you've, you know, you've learned from your mistakes. If you've done this personal journey, which is what I've done is this personal development work along the way, you realize that's what it's all about, passing the baton. Well, okay. So let's, I want to step back. You said so much. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm starting, I'm going to get a hand cramp already. <laughs> <laughs> that's me. <laughs> so you went to physical therapy school mm -hmm. and then at some point you were obviously got really into yoga mm -hmm. and then you, did you integrate it? the yoga and the physical therapy pretty strongly? Is that something that people kind of uh, look down on? As in, you know, because some people, they'll look at physical therapy like, well, you're supposed to do this and you're supposed to do that. And then if you incorporate both of these, well, you're off on your own little plantation now. Did, was that yeah. in, a thing at yes. all? Yes. Um, I actually started in sports medicine. I got my undergrad in athletic training, sports medicine. And for the first mm. 10 years of my career, I was, you know, that PT, ATC, um, of personal training certifications on top of that very sports medicine orthopedic oriented. And I got into women's health about 10 years into it. And when I switched into women's health, it was definitely catalyzed by my involvement in yoga for my own personal health. 
I started that through pregnancy because everything I had learned as a physical therapist wasn't going to work for my my obvious sciatica and and it turned out I probably herniated a disc and that that what I had learned at the time McKenzie and all, all the stuff of the of the 90s that I had learned when I was in physical therapy school and athletic training just wasn't going to work while I had a seven month belly there huh. and women's health physical therapy was not really something yet I mean there was some people working with pregnancy uh, pelvic floor rehab was like non-existent I mean there were people doing it but in pockets so I got more involved in that and yoga just so naturally with such a nice mind body system and so much of the healing I always realized because working with athletic tr athletic training you taught the athlete that way you knew you had to get their head in the game even when they were off the field for injury and when I went to physical therapy school I that wasn't the case they sort of separated everything mm -hmm. you know they set they separate everything into specializations and those are the only people that can ask certain questions and you and i just always approached it as the whole person so it was very natural to to bring yoga into my life and as a stress management technique and then see the benefit and then i naturally when i opened up my own practice belly guru when i moved to charlotte in 2005 it was a wellness center it mm. wasn't necessarily a, I never opened up a physical therapy office because it wasn't smart business move okay. down here. Um, it was a wellness center and that was the wellness, that holistic model off of yoga. And then, yes, I was a unicorn. I was somebody who my colleagues thought was crazy. How could you just be seen as a yoga teacher? Right. You know, it was very ego. And I was like, well, how could you just do what you're not even able to do with the system? You know, so um, I just didn't care. I knew mm -hmm. what I was doing and what I was here for. And that evolved. And I actually opened up the first, uh, I, I believe I opened up the first cash, 100% cash-based physical therapy practice in the Carolinas, at least in North Carolina. I opened up the first, it ended up being the first freestanding integrated, integrative physical therapy and yoga studio in Charlotte. For a long while, there was an Iyengar studio that is technically therapeutic, but they weren't. Yoga therapy wasn't their main gig. Uh, things have evolved. So, and now, now I'm doing, you know, now I just feel like the baton's been passed because now there's so much more talk. The IAYT, which is the International Association of Yoga Therapists, uh, there's there's thousands of, of integrative healers, MDs, PAs nurses, you know, using yoga, um, women's health has become more popular, pelvic floor health, how that integrates in orthopedics has become more popular. So I think now it's making sure people are loud enough, such as you and myself, I'm sure you can agree, not a lot of health providers, licensed health providers have podcasts, talking conversations about the people you'd work with, or the procedures yeah. uh, that they can do. So then a couple of follow-ups. I'll say two, and then you can answer it kind of however you want. It seems like you, you carved a niche, and then now, over the last 10 years, that niche is slowly being eroded because everybody else is like, oh, yeah, you can do all these different things in women's health. The, the follow-up part of that is to find what I've heard the buzzword women's health. We know pregnancy. We know pelvic floor. What else does that incorporate? It depends on who you're speaking with. With me, it's mm -hmm. a very holistic model. I think in my profession, women's health physical therapists, they've actually changed, they're changing the name to abdominal pelvic health in some way. They're very concentrated on, um, I mean, they have tangents into, you know, abdominal pelvic means we could be working with, you know, we physical therapists mm -hmm. work with dysfunctions. And we've always, we're basically the original functional medicine practitioners because we always looked at the body saying where is the functional issue here we know the diagnosis but like why because like there could be five different functional reasons why you have impinged upon a nerve or you have or, or even having sciatica that does not involve any malalignment yeah. or impingement so uh i think women's health itself is in a bit of an identity crisis as is the whole profession of physical therapy because they're trying to niche because they understand that's the whole business aspect they're calling them abdominal pelvic but in reality and how i practice it's completely holistic in the deepest deepest biopsychosocial mm. 
model because all people are complex, but definitely working on a 30-day cycle of hormonal changes, physiological, neurochemistry, all that brain science, all that gut brain science, all of these things can be altered by the hormones, stress in our environment, dealing with the HPA axis. So it's a, it's a completely holistic model of approaching women and understanding they're not just many men and bringing in the science of how our brains di are different, how our neurochemistry is different, how our biology is different. And so, of course, it's going to be focused in the function of where we're mm -hmm. different than men. Um, but I definitely think I practice my definition of women's health is a completely holistic uh, experience and model that that respects the fact that there is a power and unfortunately uh, uh an unknown of of, a, of of the power of our cycles and the hormones and what that does to our brain and and how that actually makes us very very smart for business and strategy and and communication and connection and and then bringing that into our body that relationship with ourselves because that has been definitely um eroded and we've really, as we've become dismembered, women themselves have really dismembered themselves from their bodies, from mm -hmm. body love issues and stuff. So I think it's mm -hmm. for the practitioner going into women's health, I hope, and I unfortunately, I see people come out of physical therapy school now, their whole focus is the vagina and the pelvic floor and the manual care of that and the identifying dysfunction. And they're not even necessarily bringing it into the whole big function of the deep core. And, and we need to, you know, fix that a little bit, but the ones that have been in like me that started with the deep core are definitely integrating it in the whole body and then rep and then bringing in the woman's unique. Right. Uh, step one is deep core. Step two is right. focusing on exactly what, you know, man's needs versus a woman's needs, and even like a teenager. A teenage woman is going to be a lot different than a four-year-old exactly. who had three kids. Right, and like yeah. cultural specific, right? So we work with cultural specifics. It's just relating that also okay. to the gender and where they identify with. Yeah. It gets complicated Especially in your now. Uh, state. <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just when you say holistic, that so you're going to have. Obviously, all the physical stuff you may do, I guess, in some nutritional type things, as well as trying to complement with, I guess, whatever worldview of uh, spiritual soul type of mentality. Because I know yoga can kind of go into that energy type of thing, but right. um, you can kind of bring it into different levels on whatever the person is kind of looking, is kind of missing or struggling with. Uh, you know, I want to say, you know, spiritually or whatever, but you can kind of tell when someone's kind of down in the down in the dumps, mm -hmm. and you're like, all right, there's something else we need to address on top of everything else, or you may not see the results you're looking for because your 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 brain is going to interfere with the healing as well. Right, True right. One thing one thing that I think um you know, I was a physical therapist before there was a doctor of physical therapy. So I went back and and brought my degree to the highest level and in doing so, I I definitely saw where the yoga or the the perspective of personal development. And I mm -hmm. also have, you know, you're speaking to somebody who has uh, trained in a bit of a, an eclectic way, bringing in the health coaching and the coaching people out of pain. I really feel I coach people out of pain. I just happen to be able to read where their pain is on multiple levels. And go. people find me because other systems that have segmented them into pieces have failed. Because at that point, you know, at the point of becoming a chronic pain or a persistent pain problem, at the point of it being a persistent dysfunction that you've made numerous, numerous layers of compensation over, you just can't expect you fix one piece and then the secondary thing just follows and then the third tertiary thing follows. And so for me, yes, if you're working with, with me, it also takes a certain client, which again, I've, I've learned over the years, what, who is my most ideal client that I can bring my best services to? And that has evolved as I've evolved. Right. And if you're not somebody who's willing to see the layers, because I work with behavioral change, I just happen to be able to assist you because of my background in functional nutrition and women's health coaching. And because of my background in physical therapy, deeply understanding movement systems and functions between multiple systems to produce that my understanding of pain 
and my understanding of self mm-hmm. through yoga practices of myself. This isn't like something I read in a book and said, oh, I can use that pose for back pain. You have to go through yourself. And I think that's the biggest value I've gotten out of being a practitioner of yoga and then bringing it to my practice, which a lot of people are missing, going and jumping on the boat. Oh, I'm going to be a yoga therapist. I'm going to add yoga into my therapy practice is that you need to go through that personal discovery. And when you do that, you can just see it in other people because we're reflection. We're mirrors of other people. When you don't like something in someone, when somebody doesn't, when somebody comes to me and really doesn't like me as a practitioner, I mean, it's attitude or it's energy, right? It's something because we haven't even worked together, but it's things I'm saying that they don't want to see in themselves. Maybe it's very possible. So is there like my wife loves doing yoga. She, she trains, she's super strong. Um, but I would still say that's kind of more like a yoga class versus yoga uh, instruction as far as for, for core. So when you say that, is it because it's different extra, different poses will work different muscles? And so you're looking at is what's the best bang for your buck physically versus just uh, vinyasa in for an hour? Right. That, again, is an evolving thing because the field of yoga therapy is now becoming its own entity. And it's a bit of a misnomer for for those of us, we we get somewhat frustrated. I was just speaking with my friend who uh, started Subtle Yoga, Christine Calvary Weber, and you know sometimes it's it's tough because you want people to use yoga the therapy, but yoga always was a therapy. It was very prescribed. You 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 saw something in yourself. You were that person that realized, wait a minute, this isn't just my foot hurting. This isn't just me keep losing a job. This isn't me just. There's something going like there's something of a wholeness I'm not seeing in myself to be Mm -hmm. able to recover, to function in the world. And you would go out and seek the guru and you would find yours. You would be led to it. You'd be just the same. And we've all experienced it where we're sort of led to our we have a passion. We just feel led to, you know, a certain something. And then you find that mentor and that mentor prescribed the practice, the whole practice, a holistic practice of you getting your act together and your life together, your perspective together, your, your relationship with the world together, your relationship with yourself together. And so of course, you know, giving it as pieces, like get this for your leg strength and using it like a therapeutic exercise has butchered the therapy. And, you know, people were teaching what was popular. People Mm. were teaching the asana. There's eight limbs and they were teaching the third one and maybe a little bit of breathing but they were skipping the moral ethical code of limb one and limb two, which is called yama niyama. And that really is what the therapy is. And so there is a distinction between yoga therapy and yoga teaching. Yoga teaching is within yoga therapy. Yoga therapy is a modality someone in Ayurveda, a Ayurvedic physician may use, mm-hmm. but, but it's a science in itself. Yoga is a science of the human being and their behaviors and their relationship with whatever you want to call it, God, the ultimate, the supreme wisdom of, of it's a knowing to know your self-realization practice. So seeking clarity for yourself. Yeah. And so different people, you know, different folks have different strokes. And so there's different systems. There's, you know, vinyasa and there's this and there's that, but you're going to hit a wall if you've never actually practiced the foundational principles of self Mm-hmm. While you go into those things, because at some point you'll know all the poses or you think you know everything. You get caught in the ego, you know, you get caught in the routine of life. That's our problem with life and living, especially in academia, especially in healthcare, you know. Um, it's big egos. Well, I'm a doctor, so I know everything of everything, and you forget the person. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, that's really, and that's evolving right now. But how to define that? That's going to have to be some of us as the leaders. To, to kind of hold on to that tradition of not everybody, everyone can practice yoga and look like they're doing something, but who benefits best needs to be the practice. The same thing as, you know, I, I would hope and I would think, you know, you some people come to me, people come to you, and they're really not a candidate for what you can offer them. Right. Because of one reason or another. I mean, it's not that you couldn't do something and have an effect, but you know, if they're really not into the chiropractic, if they don't have a belief in it, if they don't have a, you know, there, it's, it's, there's going to hit a wall and a limit. And I think people are seeing that when they go to yoga classes. Is this it? And maybe they quit. 
but maybe they need, they wanted the therapeutic route. They wanted that evolutionary route of self, but they didn't find that teacher for them who would lead them into their own therapy. And then of course, you know, pres- I really hate prescribing it to diagnosis because then it's walking down the same path as all yeah. the other medicines. But we do need to, to, to make sure that there's some sort of way to research and study its effects for certain things. And there is, there's a ton of, of research now, you know, IYT.org is a good place to see some of the stuff, their, their journal and, and also, you know, but we have to be, we have to be smart consumers of it. We have to know in ourselves, walk in and not just listen. My, my teacher, Sri Dharma Mitra, who I love very deeply out of New York city is like one of the, the last few, you know, gurus that's like really humble and just, you, you work with him, but he always says you have to have enough desertion. It's a practice of desertion and knowing the self. You can't just go and say, what do I do? And the teachers can't just be like, this is what you do mm-hmm. because you need to walk in. He says, you need to walk in. You know, if the guru tells you one day, go home and kill your family, you got to say, oh, guru must not be practicing his yoga. Okay. Don't get so deep where you just stop thinking. And I see a lot of patients come into their doctors or physical therapists and doctor, chiropractor, doctor, whatever doctor it is, and and just sort of do it blindly, even when Mm -hmm. it doesn't feel good. And I think some yoga people go into yoga classes and do the same thing and then they get hurt. Yeah. So it sounds sounds like because there's no different people who are saying, I just want to go and do yoga stretch and that's it. Please leave all of this spiritual stuff out at the door. And then there's others who really want to embrace what you're talking about and go to that level as well. And knowing, like like you said, if you're having a guru, if you're going to have an instructor, knowing what they're offering and if that gels with you. And if it doesn't, then like you said, there's plenty of other people out there. Go find the one that... Don't give up on the system. Just, it really is an interpersonal thing. Yeah. When the classes get too big, when it becomes, you know, let's make sure that everybody likes it, meaning that we're all at the bar and we're playing, you know, music and feeding into their vices. Yeah. To me, that's not yoga. There's debates all the time um, that you can't be judgmental with it. But I, I think, yeah, just like medicine isn't, let me just put you on an opioid just because you're in pain. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. You know, we have to have, per- and again, it gets back to your own core ethics. Yeah. There's no way that if you're practicing yourself core ethics, that you're going to keep prescribing somebody or keep butchering somebody or keep, you know, just because you can rationalize or they can rationalize why they need it and you're trying to serve them. Right. Well, let's do a little transition. I, I was looking at your site. Mm-hmm. You have a, uh, I think it's an acronym, I believe, CALM. Mm-hmm. Go into that and then you're doing the coaching, you're doing some mentoring, especially with, with mompreneurs. Uh, give us some about some of the background on that and what you're experiencing and, and kind of seeing and where you're, where, where's that leading you right now? Yeah, um, definitely a lot of my clients over the years, they really, that's really what they wanted, right? I mean, they were talking about their back pain. They were talking about, you know, more recently, maybe working on their uh, hormonal dysfunction or, or just not, you know, they, they come with these symptoms, not, I don't have energy, I don't have vitality. And then you, you dissect it. But the reality was, I, you know, I just said the, 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 the main theme here is why they come to me is the yoga part that I bring. And, and what they're looking for is calm. And, and really, if you dissect that out, and where you go with the coaching is getting clarity. You know, what do you really, you know, the C being for clarity. And there's a couple of levels of that, but on the baseline, there's clarity. Sometimes the C is for conviction, the permission mm-hmm. to, you know, really go with what they think they need to do for their life. The A is for awareness because there's so many things they just didn't know. They weren't educated, especially women about their body. I mean, I can't tell you how many women that, you know, I'm working with them in their 50s, five kids later, two husbands, uh, pelvic floor issues, and I'm the first one showing them a mirror to look at that area. I mean, you know, just awareness. Um, you know, everybody else has seen it but them and, you know, understanding their body and, and definitely understanding what else is out there. You, so many people have suffered for so long because they don't really realize just what options they have in the permit. And again, going back to that, that ability to just, and a little bit of a is that attitude that it's my body. I get to decide like you're a doctor, but I get to decide. Don't make me feel little 
because I'm choosing or bringing in information just because you're not keeping up with the science and have to go to a book right now or go to a research article. So the L is loving kindness. Who can't use that, especially nowadays? We really, one of my missions is to make sure that we bring love back into the conversation of healthcare. Because if we're looking for humanity in healthcare, which we've walked away from, to be perfectly honest, being the scientists, we are playing with with things. I don't know if we should be uh, in the quest for wisdom. And we don't know how to deal with the consequence sometimes. So loving kindness in that way, loving kindness to ourselves to even go get help, admit mm -hmm. we need help on multiple levels. And then obviously M with motivation and a little mindfulness of that too. You know, I think we have, and that it kind of feeds into where my curvy hustle versus that linear hustle that I was taught a very masculated hunter, seek and destroy, see your target, go get it, pushing everybody away as you go, you know, whatever, everybody, only one person at the top. And, and, and I think the way a woman works and why communities came about is because the ones that were left behind while you went out and gathered formed communities and mm -hmm. formed civilization, really. I mean, they're birth in it and, and they were working together. I mean, if you look at like the elephant packs, they're all like, you know, all the kids are together. They all go to like a kindergarten. They all kind of share the load. And, and that is somewhat of, of, of understanding that motivation doesn't have to be always knock everyone down and be the best. It could be a collective. It could be a collective best. It could be some sacrifice and holding your, you know, it's okay to just keep eating the low hanging fruit and sharing that so mm. that you can sustain everyone who needs to go out and be the hunter once in a while. Yeah. And, and, and so, you know, motivation can change and, and why, you know, what is success that leads into what is success. So now that I'm coaching, you know, why I went into the coaching really and why I felt like I need to heal the healers at this point is because they were coming to me broken, physically burnt out, you know, just not aligned with how they had what they thought was going to be their career and what ended up them being asked to. And we're losing a lot of people, really great people for their healing because they just need a different way of doing it. Mm. And they need to understand what motivates them and core motivators. And I actually went into the field of axiology, which is the study of values and what you think is 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 valuable of yourself and your role because of that it gave me an objective uh to get because we're we're you know we are all trained to be very logical and evidence-based and we want to see the objectives and we want to make a decision from that and so that gave me the ability on a psychosocial level to show them where they're at with that calm that hmm. clarity awareness loving kindness and motivation those motivating factors when i think for women you guys gals, whatever, y'all have uh, a lot of conflicting paths. You know, you could be the stay-at-home mom, but then successful entrepreneur women are like, well, you didn't, why do you just want to be an entrepreneur? I mean, uh, why do you want to just be a stay-at-home mom? And of course, those those conflicting. And then if you're in the workplace, yeah. do you strive to be the next CEO or are you happy being middle manager or not even a manager at all? Then you come home and you got a husband that may be like, uh, I still expect you to cook and clean at least 70%. Like, why do I have to do 50-50? See, there's all those roles that you guys have to conflict. That would get exhausting, especially if you're like a doctor where you have the responsibility of the healthcare of an entire clinic and running that and all of that. And then you got to come home and do all that kind of stuff. So I can't imagine the burnout occurring and needing a mentor, a coach. And what better than having another female to be that coach versus your classic thinking of a male doing that and doing all the coaching. Right. That's really, I agree. And that's one of the things I feel like our responsibility as, you know, health leaders uh, is somewhat when you feel called to be the mentor and it's time to, that's part of it. Again, that's the whole collective. That's your piece. That's your fingerprint you're leaving because there are not a lot of women mentors. There are women mentors, but they're not necessarily as celebrated and visible. And, and I'm going to say, there's a whole you know, bunch of people that think that's from the outside, but a lot of that is our own inner conflict. And I actually speak to the idea of the double goddess, which is not my original um, thought. I, I'm sorry, I can't remember the author right now who originated that, but I have her book downstairs. Um, but it is that idea that, you know, we're XX 
and we're mirrors in ourselves and our dark and our light. And, you know, again, that 30 day cycle, understanding that you would realize the tides <laughs> and we're not explained that. So it's like we're being given this like superpower. Nobody, it would be like, you know, Superman being given, you know, his, and he didn't understand. Nobody explained it to him. He didn't, you know, and he's like grabbing a Coke can and like cracking it, doesn't understand his strength there. And then people are yelling at him. And, and then on the other hand, he feels, you know, then he doesn't want to do anything. I almost feel like women grow up a bit like that. Like, where can I use the power that I see in myself? And then we do have a very strong nature to birth and create. And that's, and we could do that in many ways, in a business, in a household. And I mean, we are the birthers of civilization. So there's a big responsibility there that's in our genes. Yeah. You know, we've evolved only a couple of thousands of years. You know, we say, oh, we you know we're so far from having been invented human being out of the waters. But in the big picture of it, we're we're still infants. And then, you know, this surgence, just even in my own lifetime, I'm going to be 45 this summer. But just even seeing, you know, my mom's opportunities to me, yeah, you know, so different in terms of I can now. And that's part of what I'm the movement of is there's a different way to do this. There's a curvy hustle. You can now. You were speaking of, you know, there was a time when I went into work and I went in first thinking I was going to either have to be a middle manager or I was going to have to leave clinician stuff and being with the patients in order to get that salary. or And I was going to have to have a nanny at home. Because I wasn't going to be able to be that, you know, and it, just the concept now is just between technology and opening up people's minds and different expectations of how you actually define success. Mm -hmm. You know, with 50% of the households ending up in divorce, I think we need to start defining success about what's going on with our family and relationships. Yeah. And again, establishing was very important for me to establish a lifestyle and a household I wanted. And then I just got really strategic and used my mind and my smarts to figure out how to take the system into that life. And that's yeah. what you have to do now. You can't just run the role of what everybody else's rules have been and then expect it because you're going to make, you can't, they used to say have it all, but it was a very, again, everything at the top, big, lots of stuff, big cars, big, da, da, da. but having it all right now might be very different and aligned with who you are. And I think that feminine vibes, not just for the women. The reason we got to get our act together is because we need to teach our husbands, our partners, our sons, because they need it too. Yeah. Because there's a reason men die before women a lot of time. I mean, that's generally the rule right there. <laughs> Sometimes you just have to be given permission. Like, I only want to work part-time and I want to be a mom part-time. Well, you got to be a mom full-time. But sometimes right. there's that either my kids in the daycare 40 hours a week or maybe there's a way I can have both. And not having a, a stigma or somebody put that label on you like, well, you're not enough if you're not doing this. And right. somebody's saying, hey, it's okay. Like, are you happy? Are your kids healthy? You know, everybody's good. That's successful. And Definitely. You and you know what? A lot of that comes down to financial power. And I believe in my system that I work with people – that that's part of your health. Mm -hmm. I think there's a big misnomer where women, you know, just because they're taken care of financially by their partner, that they feel safe. They actually probably don't feel very safe. And I think it's like, that's one of those things that are like our birth given desire is to feel safe. And so I'm always encouraging women to get their, you know, get a hold of the finances, understand their money, because that is power in this world. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of times that's the permission they're looking for is or what they're seeking. Yeah, I know that's for me is always, you know, making sure I feel safe that I am enough without that support, whether mm -hmm. it be, you know, in my in my the way I was taught to do my job or or whatnot in my, you know, at home that I can because things happen. And I think a lot of women lose their choice. And that feels bad because it's like if you're somebody who went to college and have a degree and this and that and like when you're having a baby and if you're feeling those heartstrings to, you know, you what like I, before it used to be you were going to have to abbreviate your financial power, but it's not that way now. Mm -hmm. But not enough women understand that and how to make it work. And there's other options too. Because they don't have a lot of people that can see. Yeah. And there's more than ways than, than wanting to make money. If you have, like I said, if you have right. a degree. Right. You know, to use your skills. Yeah. You know, I as a physical therapist, I'm very much still using it. And I might be working virtual and not touching someone. But I can teach them something. I can I can teach a webinar. I can 
create a, a product. I can, you know, just educate, just get with them and women together to talk to each other and become their own therapists and, and then take back that sisterhood or work with men to understand in relationships what the women need and even the feminine in themselves, rising that up. Mm -hmm. You know, so I can, I can be teaching about body parts. I can be teaching about emotions and how they affect, you know, when you go exercise, you feel your endorphin. I can bring in evidence based. This isn't just, you know, uh, woo woo talk. And this isn't necessarily me diagnosing them. You know, this isn't me acting like a psychologist. I'm not diagnosing you with a whatever. I know enough mm. as a doctor of physical therapy, as a certified health coach, as, as a certified yoga therapist, when when it's outside of those things to say you need another professional, that's the advantage of working with me. Mm -hmm. But that's, you know, that's what we need to show women. And by the way, motherhood as a vocation is really important. Yeah. There's a lot of people without that mothering role who are really messed up later. And, but you can have a mothering role without staying there and staring at your child the whole time. Do you feel like that's been so, shamed? Not, I don't know if shamed is the right word, but devalued in the last, say, 10 years for, for women. Like, eh, being a mom, just kind of do your best and that's good enough. Def yeah. I think, and it's interesting because the smartest moms, it's the generation of the smarter, smart, smartest stay-at-home moms. <laughs> yeah. You know, most most of our moms didn't go to college or if they did, they didn't really finish it or, you know, they... A lot of women didn't come out with like, they're not, there's a lot of stay at home moms now that has still hold on to their, um, legal license right. or their physical therapy thing or their doctor, you know, chiropractor. There's a lot of MDs that have chosen to teach because they want to be home more, yeah. you know, and they're making sacrifices maybe again because they don't know the system because, and it has been, it's like feels like a step down because like, gosh, I, this is what I'm going to do with my degree, pick up Cheerios and whatever because you're not realizing it has been devalued. It's been taken out of your hand, but we've also, you know, societies, you know, we go to the schools now and we're like mad that the teachers didn't produce by 12 year, you know, graduation. Why is my kid such a, you know, mean spirited person? Why can't they function in college? What the schools didn't do it. Uh, it's not the, that wasn't the school's responsibility to create Let's get some the personal human. responsibility here. Yeah. You know, so, you know, yeah, but I don't understand. We went away to the Virgin Islands <laughs> every year. This kid got a brand new car at 16. They were in every great school since kindergarten. I don't, you didn't parent, yeah. you know, like you gave them, you know, like, so there's a lot of that. There's a lot of confusion. A lot of books had to be the perfect parent, but then you don't even know your kid. Yeah. Because you're following Doctor Sears or you're following so and so, you know. It's, so that's like we lost. We gave it up. Yeah. We gave up our autonomy as 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 parents and somewhat following the crowd as human beings. And I think that's what we're seeing. And so women, again, being the more empath of the of the of the genders, uh, because we read people well, we have a very high emotional intelligence. We need to to take care of our children. Uh, we don't know, you know. That's some of the we. We're not necessarily praised wherever we are yeah. for that, for what we bring to the table. That's true. Well, where do you see this whole, uh, you're kind of transitioning. It's been a little while. You're, you're, I think it, sounds, it seems like you're still getting, not getting your footing, but getting your teeth in and getting your claws into deeper and, and getting a more solid foundation. Where are you seeing yourself in the next five or, or 10 years as far as any goals or uh, where do you see this going out long term? Yeah, definitely. It's been, it's been tough. Uh, you know, when you build a brand and you build it well and you're somewhat catalytic in, in communities, uh, not just your own community, but like literally in like, you know, the, the fields of different things, it was hard to kind of write because I'm, I'm, I was taught, you know, that's who I am, all these letters after my name and things like that. So it has been a bit of a process, you know, three years now, sort of, I even purposely rebranded just Dr. Lisa PT. Yeah. I don't even have my last name there and I don't have all the other letters. And, and that was purposeful because that's really is that main perspective. Cause I, because I see myself in the future, you know, I'd like to, uh, I've been talking for years. I don't know why I don't do it, you know, write that book or move on to the speaking and the writing and the communicating. That's one of the reasons why I started my podcast, Owning Her Health, is to bring these conversations. That's why I really enjoy and I really appreciate 
when 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 health leaders such as yourself or you know just thought leaders and visionaries invite me on because they're seeing that in me because that's what I'd like to leave as as my fingerprint at this point. I'm done with the clinician fingerprint. Like I mean, how many letters can you have after your name before you say, "All right." You're going to get to reach you know, a lot like, more people on a podcast <laughs> and in coaching and right. stuff than you will in a clinic. Yeah, and and I and I really think ultimately the reason I went into all of this was for what my tagline originally was, empower your body, enlighten your mind. Mm-hmm. And there's just more than one way for me to provide that now. There's, you know, and, and, and I really truly see myself and, and I want to see myself and I, and I want to be someone who helps humanity reclaim some of the things we talked about on this, on this podcast, you know, reown themselves, get the personal authority to start living. We have so much opportunity now, but we're not, we're like, we're in that darkness, in that shadow. We're not doing the right stuff with it. You know, we think we are, but we're so limiting. Our, I mean, we're the sickest we've ever been. Yeah. And it's the most expensive health care system we have. I mean, uh, being in the United States, 63 other countries have better maternal health outcomes than the United States. It's absolutely ridiculous. There's so, like, I feel like all I did, there's still such a big, they're obviously helping one or two people. I need to make sure those women go out and do something with that. Right. And that the men who might hold power in allowing them, you know, see that beauty, see, really see that what they can bring to the table, because what we've done right now in a, in, in, in the way we've worked it is, is killing us slowly. Cancer rates, the, you know, just the, the disregard. I mean, just even the discrepancy alone in makeup and body care products in the United States. You know, we have like, you know, the, the, the European Union bans like 1400 other chemicals besides what we ban yeah. for what you're putting on your baby. You know, everybody's like, you see this label, pediatrician recommended. That's bought people. Well, <laughs> I would really investigate that. Like who, what did they pay them? Who works for who? What are they recommend? You know, like just because it's not on our, you know, FDA list of banned products only mean it means it's one of 30. It's not one of 32. Right. Because that's the, you know, 1932 was the last time they actually did an overhaul. 1932? Of what's in our, 1932, the United States of really, and there's a whole list of, there's like 30,000 chemicals we've invented by then, but because it's not on that list, but it's not on that list because it hasn't been studied. Like you have to investigate. I hope I'm one of those people in the future through books or talking, conversations, podcasts, invoking and, in, and inviting other women in particular where I like to work with to be that voice, to be that bold, to be that proud of their many wins, not just the big wins. Maybe someone else validates from the outside mm-hmm. that we can start talking about the real solutions here to healthcare. Cause it's not about reducing costs. It's about seeing people yeah. I, and humanity. I think I saw something this week. I didn't really read the article, but the whole thing, you know, you skimming these days, it was talking about the, the women, yeah. infant mortality. We're doing really good. Mother mortality. Right. It's like they forgot to check right. their pulse after the the baby, apparently. Right. So we are, like right. you said, like in, like in the 60s, we're not number one. I thought we would be a little bit higher in the top 10, but we didn't even make the top 40, I don't think the article said. In, uh, 60. 60. We're 63 or 64. Yeah, moms are just dying. It seems, that seems <laughs> kind of They're dying. Crazy. They're getting sick. I mean, one of the reasons I switched over into women's health, honestly, was because I got tired as an orthopedic physical therapist with people coming in, you know, number one reason people come into physical therapy, obviously with chiropractic, back pain, yeah. right? Back pain is the number one disabling thing. And neck pain, you know, low back pain, sciatica, all the variations. And I honestly was like, my God, the story, when did it start? Well, with my first pregnancy. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, so, or after I gave birth, you know, it's never the same. It's like, oh my God, like it's never the same because nobody puts you on a track. Nobody's talking about what's right, what's wrong, you know, what's right in your body, what's wrong. You don't even know what you're coming in with, what's really supposed to happen. Then it's like manipulated by medications, manipulated by a medical system. And you don't even understand when you're healing. And I just got tired of that conversation. And, and, and so people are dying and at, you know, 700, I think is the 600, 700, you know, just dying within like, you know, 
obviously related to that birth or, or right after, maybe not right in the hospital. They're just not monitoring. There's You go home and you don't see anybody for like a year yeah. for a pap smear. I mean, there's such a gap. And that's why Belly Guru came into existence because I saw that gap. But the conversations, there's so much resistance mm -hmm. because you have the people who are like, I should know this. It's my body and Miss Natural. And then you have the people who are so disconnected, have been on a birth control pill since they barely had a period yeah. now, which we don't have studies about, by the way, but we keep saying it's fine. Um, you know, you have people who are that. And we have one in six right now with fertility issues. Well, one in six couples. Yeah. Maybe we have it's the chronic use of so birth many control. women and girls put on a birth control pill for major dysfunctions, not just because they don't want to get pregnant and they want to say, oh, it's because I have cramps, like literally PCOS. And, and, you know, these are precursors for metabolic and diabetes. And we have this big diabetes epidemic already in teens. And uh, so, you know, we're really, you know, the m health starts in the womb. We have the epigenetics yeah. now. If you're in a society that is not valuing the health of the mother because she is the first world and environmental toxins or lack of toxins, 200, over 200 chemicals can be extracted from a newborn spinal cord. So you're, you're going into the problem. territory where some people would just say, you're getting into pseudoscience. You're, you're too paranoid. No, it's real science. I know, I know. I it's agree with you. It's just, research. this is the stuff that some, like, if you don't care, you'll just say this isn't the case. Like maybe ADHD isn't just an issue. Maybe they're not playing up. Maybe they have red dye. Maybe there's too much sugar. Maybe there's this. Maybe there's something in vaccines that they haven't talked about. Like, and all this other stuff you're talking about. It, um, there are studies out there, and then some of the studies that, quote, disprove it, they're funded by companies that, of course, they're going to be disproven, and that's been proven to be actually accurate as well, that there's right. bias. And so you just have to, like you said, you got to be smart. And um, do you have any websites at all that can help in, um, enlighten some people about some of these chemicals or some of these foods that you should maybe avoid that are more commonly contaminated and things like that? Do you have any kind of references for that stuff? Yes. And, you know, I'm Maybe because it's early here, I'm going to probably have to get back to you to get exactly. They'll be in the show yeah. notes. But there's there's several, um, you know, the, uh, the people tend to look at the governmental agencies, of course, and you and you should. They're trying to regulate, but you need to also explore where you could look at. Um, I, I'm trying to think. I'm totally going for a blank. Are right okay? now. I'm sorry, <laughs> I don't have that. But there's you can look for like different products. Um, I want to think it's the in oh the environmental workers something or other. I will get that for you, but you can go on and they can look at all your natural products. You know, the problem is the labeling here. Again, it's a big issue. Beauty Counter is actually one company here based out of the United States that for makeup and body care products, they're actually being very very proactive in getting things changed in Congress and going on, you know, beautycounter.com would be a great place because they have a lot of their advocacy work. They have a lot of lists of things you should look about in your body care products, as well as a makeup line and body care products of their own. They take the European Union standards. They don't necessarily take the American standards. Mm -hmm. um, there is the, um, the, the ability to, Maybe, you know, I would definitely get involved in looking at the Functional Medicine Forum. The, the podcast is very good for seeing people who are bucking the system in terms of being licensed healthcare providers, looking at different things. There's so many now. There's, it's like too many, too many conversations, right. but I would definitely look into functional medicine, people who are into functional medicine. I would, I really, really, think that we need to do some personal development. I mean, I know it sounds like a tangent, but I think that if we were to look at some courses and, and everybody has their, their person, you know, there's, there's so many people, but start really looking at things about personal development so that you can feel that you can speak and listen to your children and listen, you know, Aviva Ram is a great medical doctor. She works with women's health and children's health. Her website, avivaram.com, is good for getting, again, that science you can take. Because if you just go off and bring them maybe things that they haven't seen, you have to be almost showing them people who are doing it, who are their colleagues and talking about, you know, what's going on out there. I mean, it's like the gluten intolerant people. They, they, they got super popular. Yeah, women. you have to kind of give them the bridge. Yeah. You can't, you know, I can't speak chakras with <laughs> a psychiatrist. Yeah. You know, you gotta, 
there's there's so many, you know, there's just I listen to people and and kind of dissect one of the things I think that we need to as a society get better at and as the health providers, because maybe or just people who have gone to, you know, the academic route a little bit further than others is being able to maybe, you know, nutrition, nutrition, uh, Michael Geiger's nutritionfacts.org, you know, he breaks it down the science stuff to real world words for understanding the research. Because like you said, you need, you don't just have to say, Oh, research says you have to critique the research because some of that research is so biased or, you know, just because they, so many people stop the research because all of a sudden they're realizing that they, their hypothesis was wrong. So they think it's the research and actually it's proving that they were wrong. So that research never comes out. And and it may not, (laughs) you might be that 5%. You know, you talk about individuality. Yeah. Exactly. 95% success rate. Well, that means 5% didn't. Like every warning on commercial. The bell curve. Don't forget the bell curve. Yeah. Like if if a drug says (laughs) your eyes will bleed, that means one person at least had their eyes bleeding from taking this medicine. That could be you. I'm not saying it will be, but that's a chance. And you need to do the personal development work because you may go to your first doctor and they make you feel like you're crazy. And you may have to go, I mean, it's, I think it takes with autoimmune disorders about five years to be diagnosed. Of course, 70% of autoimmune disorders are diagnosed in women. So, you know, that's just ridiculous. Yeah. What's up with that? Five years of you going to a bunch of different physicians and you're the crazy one. <laughs> like, like bring, you have to bring your stuff. That's why I mean, you have to bring different medical information. You have to go and, and dissect things a little different. You have to look at yourself functionally just because you're in the range of normal doesn't mean you're not really low normal and that's not normal for you. Yeah. And you need to be working with providers that think that way. And like you said, there's so many podcasts and, that you can listen to and find these because everything you're saying, I'm thinking, yeah, I heard a podcast about the thyroid. I've heard a podcast on this and it's way too much to go into because I don't know it. But these people typically, they get an interview and they wrote an entire book about these subjects and you can sometimes manage it with just like certain diets and like mental exercises and things. And Yeah, right. There's so much evidence out there now. I mean, lifestyle. And again, it's like, you know, we're coming back to this brand new medicine, functional medicine, lifestyle medicine. It's not new. Again, yogi's been doing that. That's really what yogic medicine was. Yeah. That's what I'm going back to what I said in the beginning. Yeah, know thyself and figure out what the hell you're supposed to do in this world to add to it, not rob it and rape it until you're dead. <laughs> it's very, very basic. On my Facebook page, uh, my Dr. Lisa PT, I, I, I try every day or so or every couple of days to give a daily kiss. And that's keep it simple and spiritual or keep it simple and sane. And it's just keep it simple. You know, keep that's what it is. It's not rocket science, people. We really don't need 56 people writing a book who have spent thousands of dollars, hundreds of thousands of dollars on an academic. Eat, poop, you know, sweat, move, sleep. Have good people around you that fill you up, don't cut you down, and understand that you did not invent the universe. Well, minute minute 57, that was a great summary right there. You know, it's just like, it's so basic stuff, you know, and, and open your eyes. I mean, I'm like, does anybody notice like, this is just the book I called, you know, I read this book. It's called 1984. (laughs) I read this book. It's called Brave New World. I read that, you know, like, look around what's going on. You know, it's like ridiculous. (laughs) (laughs) Again, go back to calm, clarity, awareness, loving kindness and motivation. What's motivating you? Why do you get up every morning and say, I need to look at Facebook for five hours? What is motivating you? What is missing there? You know? Yeah, with this fake Facebook That's life. That's help. We all are our own doctors. <laughs> <laughs> well, I want, to, I want to respect your time, but I, I definitely like asking this question. Yes. So obviously you're, you're well-read. You're well-listened. So any books or a particular podcast, a blog, or a book that you are just like, here's a foundation. Here's two or three foundational books on like maybe how you set up your own coaching and, and that's really shaped you that could help other people. If they're curious, they, they resonate with what you're saying, but they want to start somewhere and they're not maybe not ready to like contact you or, or whatever. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, again, it's, it's going to be about the self a little bit. A book I really liked by Lori Beth Jones was Jesus CEO in terms of understanding the different leadership style. And at the time she wrote that, I think. I have the book right here. I think it was like early 90s. 
she didn't realize she was talking about the curvy hustle, but she was 1994. Wow. So she just realized she was, um, leading in a different type of way. And she called it, you know, Jesus as CEO, but really it's about, you know, that spiritual led, you know, kind of, and really, honestly, again, you're going about community relationship strategy, the bigger picture, you know, that is actually more of a feminine leadership style. And Jesus always praised uh, the women, even though you don't hear about them, Mary Magdalene actually being the first apostle, but I won't go there. And um, <laughs> <laughs> I really like uh, The Power of Intention by Dr. Wayne uh, Dyer, who passed away, I think, last year or the year before. And uh, because, again, you know, your thoughts, I mean, and no one got to the role they are as the scientist without one day dreaming and one day, you know, that's very non-scientific, right? But yet here you are, the scientist, and you know, looking at anything by Einstein, boy, was that guy a philosopher. And um, I do also like um, Evolved Enterprise by Yannick Silver. Again, thinking bigger picture in terms of setting up your systems and being, I'm very mission driven. I really think medicine should be filled with a bunch of providers who are mission driven. Yeah. <laughs> I think when you're kind of self-driven, selfish, we see what we have going on. You think it's really logical to work for a pharmaceutical company and, 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 and just, you know, basically prop up putting people on a drug for the rest of their life. It's a job right there. So, yeah. So those are, those are three that I really think kind of like get you thinking a little different. Cause I think you have to sort of think a little different and look in and then find that leader and find that person that resonates with you and let that person be your mentor for a while. And then realize when you graduate, you graduate. A really good mentor should be seeing that in you and kind of push you out the door. Yeah. You shouldn't be. Otherwise, it's called a cult. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, in chiropractic, I don't know about physical therapy, but we have so many coaches and management companies and and. Eventually, like you could, like you said, you can, you match what the person is teaching and then you got to kind of graduate to either a, a better coach, a different coach or someone completely out of your profession to really up your game even higher and take you to spots that right. you never thought of. And that's, I think that's a normal yes. progression. So. Justin, yes, you hit the nail on the head there because I think going out of your profession, seeing the bigger picture or seeing your profession from other people's point of view, that's the one thing I loved. I didn't really accelerate and grow into my practice. I would have never probably done my practice if I'd stayed just hanging out with the physical therapist mm -hmm. or just seeing what their model of growth was uh, because it's very, it's still struggling. I mean, you, we don't have, we don't have that sort of same sort of management business background in our teachings because it goes streamlines into the hospital and being in a, in a much more hierarchy model. And that's being broken out of now right. with it moving up to a doctoring profession. But, you know, it was when I went over and found the other yogi therapy people, you know, the people sort of doing things and thinking more eclectically. And so their businesses were more eclectic and holistic and working with their lifestyles and doing things in a different way. And then when I, started looking at even now with health coaching, looking at the functional medicine perspective and how they're running and how they're wanting to start micro practices. And I realized I had made a micro practice. That's what it was called. But I didn't have that vernacular. I didn't have that language in, in, uh, in my mainstream medicine groups. Ooh, that's a new word for me. Micro practice. Oh, mm -hmm. I have to look that look up that some more. Cause yeah, look at, look up that. That's, that's, that sounds fun. That's creating that, you know, practice within something else. Mm -hmm. So you bring your work into a gym or, you, you know, you go into the kind of the ecosystem of, let's say, people who are going into CrossFit and opening up a, a physical therapy practice. Ah. Or so it's like a very small, you could utilize the services, right? Front desk, this scheduling. So you can kind of like integrate within, but you're your own practice. And then that can grow into, you know, your own small practice. Oh, that's pretty nifty. It's very helpful for women to know that because they can work that around very nicely into getting into private practice without the big overhead and um, a lot more return on their investment Another with their limited time. Another huge nugget of information at the end of an interview that I hope people stick around to her. I mean, that's huge because so many people... <laughs> that's an interview in itself. It is. So my Mind Body Brand Academy kind of works into that. I, I developed Mind Body Brand Academy, which will launch again in the fall live. Um, 
eight weeks exploring that development through a personal brand. So taking all we talked about for the past hour and actually moving it into a micro practice incubator that you can grow in any direction. Well, that leads right into what I was going to ask you. You mentioned a couple of different Facebook and different things on a website. So where can people get in contact with you? Do you, if you like, if you have a special program that's coming up uh, soon, let me know. We can put those in the show notes. What you got for us? Yeah. Um, you know, probably the best centralized place if you're on social media, I really like my Instagram. That's probably the most authentic me. I kind of microblog on there. That's at Dr. Lisa Holland, PT, the DR with the doctor. Um, and I do live streams on my Facebook. Again, it's uh, do- at Dr. Lisa Holland, PT. Okay. And that kind of works into the personal development, lightworking, being the unicorn in the healthcare field, some of this conversation. Uh I really, you know, social media wise, that's the easiest thing, yeah. right? Getting on and, and doing that sort of stuff. I do blog a little bit, but I'm much better live and doing my podcast, Owning Her Health on iTunes. Would love if you follow that and have the conversation. In the real world website stuff, of course, Dr. Lisa Holland, PT.com. And that's where you can look for me for either service, either building a, you know, Google goddess tribe of your own, building a tribe of your own and doing a business and that sort of curvy hustle work or being and taking care of yourself in a, in a much stronger self-leadership way, in a holistic way as a woman and, and, and working out and finding your strengths on a biopsychosocial model. So you have both paths that you can, you can find me on there, but I, I do enjoy talking to my peeps on social media because I'm a social person and I'm really about starting conversations. So that's probably the easiest thing. But if you're off social media, grab my website and you can do my opt-in and get my newsletter four times a year. Absolutely. Hey, real quick. I noticed you use uh, Create Space. Is that still true? Or uh, Squarespace? Squarespace. Yeah, um, I do. I do use Squarespace. I, you know, I tried to do the whole WordPress thing. WordPress and me just, I don't know. I just wasn't wasn't my thing. So I like Squarespace. I like it because of a lot of the integrations. In fact, they just integrated with Acuity scheduling, mm. which makes that really easy to put that in. Um, and did it make the opt-in I, stuff I'm, easy too? like opt in for a yeah, newsletter, like download pages, a book actually, or something? Yeah, I actually really like Kajabi as a platform because you can do a website off of that. And it works with if you're selling courses and, and doing a lot of things, it has a lot of things that lead pages and all that integrated in it. That's a whole platform. And I've been sort of playing with both of those things, my regular website that I had and the Kajabi platform because it has, you can make secret pages. You have a lot of control over Squarespace, but Kajabi is actually set up with funnels and it's just a great platform for somebody who's looking to um, monetize. But it's completely different. Like if you're looking at Squarespace, WordPress or Kajabi. Yeah, there's a difference there. Kajabi works like a WordPress, but it's a platform. It's a whole integrated selling courses and uh-huh. and interacting and teaching off of that. And it's it it is probably it looks like it's set up like a WordPress, okay. but you actually have it function like a Squarespace. So there's templates. Oh, okay. So, yeah. I haven't heard that one. That, I was just curious because that that's a big passion of mine right now is marketing, and I didn't ask you much about marketing, um, but that sounds good too. Yeah, look into Kajabi. It's a it's a it's a great, I got in, I was lucky. I got in again, you know, when you're, when you're aware, you see things. So I got in as a, as a beta tester what? and it's, been, it's been great. <laughs> I get all the new upgrades and things like that for like, I'm going to keep it forever. <sighs> even if I'm not using it. Have you heard of, what is it? Uh, AppSumo? I don't know that. It's, it got a whole bunch of like, um, different software that they'll put out a good deal. Like normally oh, it's like $197. Yeah, they'll think, get it for yeah, 30. They got so many things for what we're doing here yeah. to grow a list. It's oh, crazy. Gosh. It's so like, much. Wow, only 30 I mean, bucks forever. It's Yeah. Like that's why, I mean, that's why it's like, it's a whole new career for me. It's of course they're going into that. Cause as I want to build that for my mind, body brand Academy, which is that course, mindbodybrandacademy.com. Um, as I'm researching this, there's just so much there to try to bring them so that they can get out there and make their personal brand. You know, it's almost like it's a career in itself. There's just so much there. Our brains will never stop learning this stuff because in about five years, we'd have a whole other conversation. Like, remember when? I know, <laughs> I know. That's why I got to do the books and the speaking and this and that because that will stay pretty, that'll, that'll stay pretty consistent. You know, it'll I'll, be air quote evergreen. 
Oh, I can't wait till a new word <laughs> comes out for that. But thank you. Thank you, Justin. All right. Thank you so much for your time. You too. Thank you so much for this podcast. You're doing a great job bringing together different professions. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Dr. Lisa, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Really, there's so much good information here. I thought the uh, your KISS principle was pretty funny. Um, the, the role that women play you know, in society with their own, like you say, 30-day cycles, um, there's a lot to it. And there's a lot that we can learn. So I'm glad that you have. I'm glad that you have niched that market for yourself and to the mompreneurs. And it makes me realize that at some point, and we've had another guest say this too, we go from menteeing to being a mentor and giving back and reaching a wider range of people beyond our four walls in our clinic. So if you're in that stage, consider it. All right. All the show notes, doctorsperspective.net slash 29. Travel tips coming up next. A big thank you to everybody who purchased the book. For those who are considering it, a doctorsperspective.net slash free ebook. You can get yourself a PDF version for free. If you watch the video, fantastic. You'll see the different reasons why you should read the book. We've got things from helping with headaches, stretches, and exercises that you'll actually do. Ways to figure out food labels. What's the deal with sugar. Tricks for portion control. And a nice chunk of the book, how can your body heal itself? Are you minimizing? Why are some people negative about chiropractic? What does it actually do? What is pain? What is a misalignment or a subluxation? You can go on Amazon. They got the Kindle version, paperback book. As always, there's merchandise at the resources tab. There's podcast t-shirts, chiropractic t-shirts, mugs, whether it's getting a cup of coffee. All the stuff is high quality, good ink job. If you like what we're doing, giving back a little bit, keep the show going. Definitely not necessary, but of course it's appreciated. If you head over to the website, the top right is all the social media flavors. Pick what you like. Friend us, of course, active on Instagram and Facebook the most and trying to do more live videos, trying to keep everything fresh. The pictures of my travels are typically on both of those. Big rush on Facebook, slow drip on Instagram, of course. If you want to leave a comment, definitely do that. It helps us to know how to improve the podcast so that you guys like it better. And of course, if you leave a review on iTunes or your Android app, that's very appreciative. If you want, screenshot it, boom, throw it up on Facebook, tag me, and I'll give you a shout out. Travel tip. When you're traveling, you're doing tours, for instance, you get what you pay for. Sometimes you're going to get cheaped out on food. Other times you'll find that the reason why it's so cheap is because they take you to a bunch of tour shops. And of course, they get a kickback on anything that you spend. And of course, you may not really care. Like in China, a lot of times it's a tea shop or a jade shop. And you're going to be there for like an hour in each spot. So either get comfy or you go shop around and maybe buy something if you're really interested. But if you don't like those, you may have to spend some more money. That way you don't get stuck spending, quote, more time shopping than actually touring. So just kind of buyer beware. We just went hashtag behind the curtain. And this episode has come to an end. I hope you got the right dose for your optimal life. Please spread the word about this podcast by telling two friends sharing on social media, and visit the show notes on a doctorsperspective.net to see all the references from today's guest. A sincere thank you in advance. You've been listening to Dr. Justin Trosclair, giving you a doctor's perspective.